You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Huge week ahead for the Cincinnati Bengals and the rest of the NFL as the NFL draft is set to kick off this Thursday all the way through Saturday. The Bengals got a slew of picks to hopefully improve their football team and we'll see what they do. They've got the number five overall pick, at least as we sit here right now. So we'll see what they end up doing. Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Good morning. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Thanks for joining us on the Monday Bengals NFL AFC North water cooler chat a little bit earlier than maybe usual, but it's still a little early for me. It's still, it's still morning for me, but uh, at any rate, good to see some familiar names, some different names, and uh, thanks for joining us live, whether it's on one of two Twitter accounts, Cincy Jungles, the Orange and Black Insider Bengals uh, podcast Twitter account, whether it's on our YouTube channel, whether it's on the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. We've got quite a bit to get to. We're going to try and get to it in a short period of time because I know we all got a lot to do on Monday, but wanted to bring you a lot of information. Now, it's it's a little quiet in terms of what the Bengals are doing. They're kind of laying low and seeing what the I guess the lay of the land, if you will, what that is going into this weekend, because a lot of teams are doing a lot of different things. They've got a lot of different things going on. They're talking about trading and moving up and the Bengals are kind of sitting there saying, Hey, you know, we're in a good spot. We don't, we're not, we're not forced to take a quarterback this year. So we're going to lay, we're going to kind of see what's going on. We're going to see what everybody else is doing. And we're going to do, we're going to kind of, uh, I mean, they're going to be proactive, I guess, but they're going to react. But Before we get to all the news, got to let you know quickly about our partnership, of course, with Symbol. If you have not taken advantage of it yet, please do. It is the stock market, uh, I guess the stock market version of fantasy sports, the stock market for sports, the address Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P slash O-B-I. It's where you can invest in teams. You can trade around sports teams like their stocks. A really, really fun way, an interactive way to continue your fantasy sports slate, if you will. You get a $10 deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code OBI, of course, for Orange and Black Insider. Right now, the Bengals, we've heard some different things. Uh, you know, They were at about $25 a share. That may have changed a little bit because of some interest from all of you. So thank you for that. Uh, and so maybe that's bumped it up a little bit at this point. But um, check it out. If you want to invest in the Bengals, they still are, from what I understand, very affordable and uh, a good buy potentially for their stock rising based on what they may do this weekend. So again, thank you to Symbol for our partnership with MSIMBULL. 
web address simbull.app slash OBI. Get a $10 deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code OBI. So check that out. And I know a lot of you have already done so. And we appreciate the support from that company and from all of you uh, participating in that. So let's get to the uh, some of these items here. We've got <laughs> kind of a lot to get to. And some of which you may have already seen, but that, you know, we try and cover what's happened over the last calendar week or so, but let's go. This was, this is more of a podcast. The P I believe it's through PFF. Chris Collinsworth talked about options with the number five overall pick. Um, and then he also uh, had an interview recently with Joe Burrow, which was really, really awesome. But um, Chris Collinsworth, I think this may have been actually with Bengals. Yeah. With uh, bangles.com, Jeff Hobson, it sounds like Collinsworth, if he had his way, he would move back, quote, do they need what Chase would bring them as one of the greatest deep threats we've ever seen in college football? Yeah, Collinsworth said. And oh, by the way, the guy who was throwing him the ball is the one that's going to throw to him in the pros. Would I love that? Yeah, but I would prefer that Joe stay alive for a year in which he's going to be playing on a bad leg. Yeah, honestly, if I ran the Bengals and I was making that decision, You'd have to throw Pitts, meaning Kyle Pitts in that decision. It's really hard, and they may have the choice of all three. I'm not so sure the Bengals won't ultimately trade out of that pick. So, And I think that's what Collinsworth maybe is saying, that he would prefer that maybe the Bengals uh, you know, get out of that pick, collect more, and still have, if they're able, still be able to get one of those premium three players, Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, and or Kyle Pitts, somehow if they're able to move back, collect picks, and that sort of thing. So... Um, you know, I, I, there is a lot of merit to that discussion, but it's kind of interesting though. You're seeing a lot of former Bengals, a lot of former players come out and say that the ba- they, the Bengals should take an offensive lineman rather than Jamar chase. Really. It seems to be more, a little bit more on the fan side that is team chase or, or those maybe covering the team from a media perspective that is team chase. I don't know. Just something I've noticed. Uh, you know, like I said, I think we, I think most of us would be very, very pleased with any of those three because, those are kind of they 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 all three seem like generational talents, and all three can help this team seemingly day one. So uh, we'll see what happens though at number five. The Bengals could select one of those guys. A lot of people believe that it will be Jamar Chase at number five for the for the team, and they'll stay in that pick. Some people think they'll move back, and then there's a, a small chance they may end up going Panay Sewell to uh, turn it around a little bit. This was an interesting one, also from CincyJungle.com, uh, courtesy of Ethan Dewitt. And an NFL assistant says uh, it's an anonymous coach. Of course, those anonymous coaches basically saying, uh, you know, you've got two generational talents in the last two years that are going number one overall. We, I mean, we assume Trevor Lawrence is going to be the pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. Um, And of course you would say, okay, well, (laughs) would you rather have Joe Burrow or would you rather have Trevor Lawrence and Tom Pelissero of NFL.com Uh, quoted an an anonymous assistant coach. If you didn't take him in your Jacksonville um, and it turned out you're a perennial pro bowler, then you'll never live it down. Uh, Basically, if I'm comparing last year to this year, Joe Burrow is picked over Trevor Lawrence 100 times out of 100. Now that's interesting. And I think, you know, you kind of, for some folks, you would say, well, the one-year wonder status potentially of Joe Burrow, I mean, he showed some things the year prior in uh, 2018, but um, you know, is really that explosive 2019 season. And then 
you know, Trevor Lawrence has had a little bit more of a, a sustained success. There may be a little bit, you know, one could make the argument of the dip in, in production and obviously didn't win the national championship last year. Um, didn't win it the year prior either against Joe Burrow, but uh, you know, successful quarterback, very, very talented and um, interesting take there that an anonymous coach in the AFC basically said that Trevor Lawrence would uh, not be the pick a hundred times out of a hundred if Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence were in the same draft class. So very, very interesting, very interesting stuff there. Let's keep it rolling though. Uh, I will bring up our, our podcast colleagues. This is on cincyjungle.com, but they had a uh, daddy-o and Dr. Hoji Smoji and a belated happy birthday to Dr. Hoji. Uh, the there's just Carson Palmer took to the airwaves talking, I believe it was through Rich Eisen. Um, so, you know, they're DNH sports with, uh, uh, my co-host John Sheeran as well on that program. Um, they were talking a little bit about the Carson Palmer saga, I guess the continuing Carson Palmer saga. He called into the Rich Eisen show, um, and there was basically a, a conversation where Carson Palmer was uh, when he was drafted by the Bengals at 2000 in 2003 at number one overall. He apparently had spoken to the Bears that year and he was telling the Bears to come get him, quote, Jerry Angelo, the general manager. Come get me, man. This is a great opportunity. He claims to have said on his pro day. This was because Palmer explains to Eisen the Bears had a great defense with Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, and Charles Peanut Tillman, all of whom it should be mentioned were drafted by the team and not splashy free agent signings. Um, so uh, Palmer kind of, I, I wouldn't say he was slighting the Bengals again, but uh, there was kind of just as this. As he gets further and further away from his playing days, more and more kind of comes out. And it seems to come out around draft time, seems to come out during the season. Uh, he, you know, he's laid low and every once in a while he'll make an appearance, usually again around this time. And he kind of drops some kind of nuggets that are pretty interesting in terms of his playing days, what he is, uh, you know, some of the stories from his draft experience and then his playing days in Cincinnati. So, Interesting stuff there. We're going to keep it rolling again. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You are listening to the Water Cooler Chat. Why do we call it that? Because we, though we're not in a an office setting per se, many of you are back in the office or in a virtual office setting. And what do you do when you have a little break? You go by the water cooler and you talk some sports, you talk some Cincinnati Bengals, and that's what we're trying to do here kind of giving you a little 30-minute, 45-minute run through the headlines of the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North, and the NFL. So thanks for joining us, and uh, we appreciate all of you tuning in, whether that's through a number of different live channels or through your favorite audio streaming platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of those. We appreciate the support. Get the program. Leave a review if you can. Kind of cool here that there's been a couple of, we'll go through these a little bit quickly here. A couple of folks in the, obviously tied to the Bengals and or in the Cincinnati area have been nominated to announce picks on, I believe it was day two. So Anthony Munoz is going to announce the Bengals third round pick. That seems to be an annual tradition having a, a Munoz announce a pick. He seems to have done that uh, quite frequently for the, at least that it feels that way. So he uh, he's going to be there on night two, Friday night, announcing the third round pick. That should be another exciting player and someone who hopefully can come in and contribute to the Bengals right away. Always good to see 
Anthony Munoz, friend of this program and the greatest Bengals player of them all. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll be excited to watch him hit the, hit the stage. And then the Bengals have another special guest announcing a pick. And that is, I'm going to pull this up here, Means Cameron. He is going to announce the round two pick. He is part of the Black-owned Outerwear's uh, the yeah, black owned outerwear and that line that has been the line of clothing, very cool line of clothing that has been available for purchase in, uh, since he, um, excuse me, the Bengals pro shop. So, uh, he will be announcing the round two pick. Anthony Munoz will be in, announcing round three. So a couple of special guests announcing the Bengals picks, two very important names to this draft class. Not that obviously number five is not going to be important, but Round two, round three will be very important to this draft class in the future of this team for sure. So uh, Means Cameron and Anthony Munoz, you'll be seeing them on Friday night announcing the Bengals picks for that. Um, and who knows? Maybe the Bengals move around that night uh, up, back, I don't know, to get another premium player that falls. By the way, every every year, every year, we all say – Oh man, this guy's not going to fall to the draft. This guy's not falling to the draft. This guy's not going to be there. This guy, and every year, now it's not all of them, but every year there are a number of quality players that end up being available in rounds two or three. So, um, you know, keep that in mind when everybody is so sure that certain players will not be there. It's, <laughs> it inevitably happens uh, in a different, different way on, uh, on draft weekend. Another one from our, our good buddy, Daddy-O McDuke and uh, Dr. Hoji Smoji. Basically, on the Chris Collinsworth podcast I alluded to earlier, Joe Burrow says it's, quote, a dream to be a quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals. A dream. So for those, and there's a, there's a, a clip here. That you, can, you can find that on the Chris Collinsworth podcast. But um, being from, a quote, this is from Joe Burrow. Being from Ohio, this is where I wanted to be. And then when you sit down with Zach, meaning Zach Taylor, and really, I mean, Zach's unbelievable. He's going to be great for us for a long time. Me and him have a special relationship. And there was chemistry from the very first meeting we had at the Combine. So this is a dream for me to be the quarterback of the Bengals. I mean, it's crazy. I'm from Ohio. It's a lot of fun. We have great players, great coaches, and you know, I think the future is bright. So Joe Burrow continuing to wave the Cincinnati Bengals, the Zach Taylor flag this offseason and seems to be very excited despite what happened last year, both in the win-loss column as well as the injury that ended his season prematurely. Seems to be very, very excited as to the direction of the team, what the team will do this weekend, and what they can achieve in 21. So um, that got to like hearing that. Got to like hearing that from your star player. And it sounds like rehab is going well by all indications. They've kept that kind of quiet, though. But it sounds like rehab is going pretty well for Joe Burrow. And we'll see. Hopefully, we'll see him week one and ready to go with a that infamous Joe Burrow chip on his shoulder. We're going to keep it rolling here. Some other news from a couple of different outlets. This is from, uh, I believe this is Chris Rowling. It's via Yahoo Sports, but Chris Rowling is with um, Bengals Wire through the USA Today Network. The Bengals did meet with a quarterback prospect uh, before the 21 draft, and that is Northwestern quarterback Peyton Ramsey. So the Bengals are... You know, they're not fully settled at backup quarterback. They let go of 
um, Ryan Finley, or they traded him away rather and got, got a, a late round pick for that. And then they re-signed Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen played admirably in a couple of starts, had a, had a little bit of injuries and, and those kind of issues. But, you know, given the state of the team at that point, he played pretty admirably and looked to be the part of a guy who could be the backup to Joe Burrow if needed. But they probably want to bring in some competition and Northwestern quarterback Peyton Ramsey could be a guy that, um, you know, that, that could come in and do that. They do have Kyle Shermer as well as uh, Chris Rolling Notes. But, um, you know, this is a guy that they're doing their due diligence. Maybe it's an undrafted guy. Maybe it's a late round pick. You know, the Bengals may go a, a couple of surprising directions on day three. You know, a lot of people are saying stockpile, and myself included, stockpile offensive line, stockpile defensive line, you know, get get another wide receiver. I, I would be all for that. But now they may be looking at another running back since Gio Bernard was, was released. And then, you know, backup quarterback kicker. Nobody's really talking about kicker. That could be an option for the team as well. So, uh, you know, those are all positions that could be addressed on – day three on Saturday into some form or fashion. So, you know, kind of rounding out the roster, bringing some competition at some of these spots that, that may be needed. And so the Bengals are doing their due diligence. I'm going to share this. It's, it's a little bit of mock draft Monday, but I'm not, I'm going to make you because this is quality content and uh, it is paid content, but it is high quality content from our, our buds, Jay Morrison and Paul Daner Jr. over at the athletic there is a seven-round Bengals mock draft, and they it, it this is kind of the culmination of their positional previews that they did, uh, you know, segment by segment. They went through each spot with the Cincinnati Bengals, did a very good job with that, and now they have have created a seven-round mock draft. You have to be a paid member to see this this entire seven-round. Uh, great mock draft that they did. I will tell you that the first pick I think is pretty obvious based on the picture, um, but they they you know make cases for other great players as well. And Paul Daner made an appearance. I believe it was on Fox 19. I, I should have had that pulled up, but he did make a, an appearance on a local news radio uh, news station and was talking about the Bengals in all likelihood will be drafting Jamar Chase. So, you know, more and more it, it appears that number one out of LSU is going to be the number five pick for the Cincinnati Bengals, but we'll see what happens. Go check this out on The Athletic from Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison, a great seven-round mock draft. Um, Got to be a paid member, though. Got to be a paid member. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And then this one is via Albert Breer, but this this is through our friends. We've got a lot of friends. Have you noticed that? We've got a lot of friends on this show and at Cincy Jungle. I, we're, we're, we're popular around these parts, or at least we like to think we are. From the great, great team over at All Bengals and Sports Illustrated, uh, James Rapine, Blake Jewell, Nicole Zembrot, Elise Jesse, and company, uh, that all-star team they've created over there. This is through Albert Breer, but basically there is now a 
groundswell of some rumors that the Falcons could be trading Julio Jones and either taking Jamar Chase at number four or potentially Kyle Pitts, a a pass catching tight end. Now, if you look at the Falcons, I kind of researched this a little bit and I thought this was interesting. I kind of started to wonder, I haven't paid close attention to what Atlanta has done and I'll, and you know, I'll, I'll admit that I haven't paid close attention to what they have done in the draft, but I was like, well, why, why are they not pursuing potentially an offensive lineman? I looked at their PFF score. I think they were 22nd in terms of the offensive line performance last year. They have spent uh, some high capital on offensive linemen recently. So I don't know that that is, you know, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe, maybe Panay Sewell is there and that's just not going to be part of the conversation for the, you know, the Bengals. They just take Jamar Chase because Sewell's gone to Atlanta. But at any rate, this now ter- changes things a little bit. The, the Falcons could be looking and look, I mean, you know, they took Julio, they traded up to get him in the same draft as A.J. Green, Calvin Ridley, first-round pick. I mean, they are not shy in using first-round picks on uh, exciting weapons. And they also brought in Tony Gonzalez towards the end of his career as well. So, I mean, they they know the value of a pass-catching tight end too. So this is now kind of becoming a little bit, as of Monday, this is kind of becoming a talking point that the Atlanta Falcons could potentially trade out of number four and uh, or trade Julio Jones rather and take Jamar Chase at number four. The other option is kind of what I said. They could trade out of that because teams are becoming quarterback hungry to move up there. I'm going to kind of, I think I've got, I have another one on that. I do not, but essentially uh, there's, there, there are other articles out out there on like NFL.com and other, other outlets that are saying, you know, Atlanta could be taking a uh, you know could be taking Jamar Chase at number four and then that that kind of paves the way for the Bengals to take either Panay Sewell maybe even trade back maybe trade back and I'll talk more about that in just a second because there are some teams looking to move up let's good to see a lot of uh a lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces through the various channels. And thanks for tuning in on this Monday, a little earlier. Hey, undoubtedly, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going to go through all this stuff on Monday. Uh, and then what's going to happen is Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning, inevitably, there's going to be some gigantic Bengals news because that's how it always happens. I do this research. I bring up all these articles. And then there's this huge piece of news that inevitably comes Hey, we're getting through the news anyway. <laughs> I'm bringing it to you how we can. So let's transition a little bit to the AFC North. The uh, Let's go, let's start here. There wasn't too much that I saw from the Cleveland Brown side of things. I'm going to keep my eyes open on that as well. Um, let's continue on though with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, so if you tuned into our show last Wednesday, I was kind of saying, you know, I I felt that there may be a possibility that the Steelers, based on them trading up to uh, number 10 a couple of years ago, leapfrogging the Bengals to get Devin Bush all the way from pick number 20. I thought maybe if Panay Sewell gets past the Bengals and he's reaching, you know, outside, you know, right outside the top 10 status, maybe they move up and 
you know, who knows what happens there. Maybe they move up for a guy like that. They want to fix the offensive line. Alejandro Villanueva appears to not be back. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But Missy Matthews, who covers the team through the Pittsburgh Steelers website, uh, quotes Kevin Colbert, the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers, saying, I'm very doubtful that we will trade up. We value the eight picks that we have. And that was the other reasoning that I had given about the Steelers moving up. They had a couple of extra picks and, and whatnot, but Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers says they will not be moving up. Maybe it's just because they don't have enough ammunition. That that extra pick that they have is kind of a little later and or, you know, maybe they don't want to mortgage the future like they did for Devin Bush. But I, I would be surprised if Panay Sewell slips, if a guy like that slips and he somehow slides outside of the top 10, if a team like the Steelers does not pounce based on their valuing of offensive linemen, what their offensive line looked like last year, and just the nastiness of Panay Sewell on film. If you, if you, if he just kind of fits a little bit of a Steelers mold there. So I would, I would be surprised if they did not move forward there. And of course, some, some not so great news out of Pittsburgh in terms of one of their players getting in legal trouble. This is actually through Ben baby, our friend uh, through ESPN Justin Lane. Now, the the Steelers cornerbacks have been beleaguered a little bit. Now, they lost Mike Hilton, a guy they valued. The Bengals picked him up uh, for a a lucrative deal for him, and and he's a a quality player. They've got Justin Lane. You know, Joe Hayden is is getting towards the end of their career. His career, Artie Burns never worked out for him. So, Justin Lane was a recent third-round pick, I believe, of the team. And he was arrested on suspicion of felony transportation of a firearm inside of a vehicle. And he was charged with two misdemeanors as well, driving with a suspended license and exceeding speed limits. He was booked on uh, early, early Friday morning. He was going 89 miles an hour in a 60 mile an hour zone. So, uh, you know, I think it was he was booked after 3 a.m. So I don't know exactly when the incident took place, but not great news for the Steelers. And I would... I would probably think that they, you know, may go cornerback at some point relatively early in the draft. I, I don't think wide receiver is a need. They got Juju back. They drafted, drafted Chase uh, Claypool. They've got Deontay Johnson. So, you know, I don't think any of the, you know, I think they're happy there. They may go quarterback of the future, offensive line, defensive back. But I think that those, uh, those are the options there for the Steelers, at least early. And of course, in case you have not heard, the Baltimore Ravens made a huge, huge move in shipping disgruntled offensive lineman Orlando Brown to the Chiefs. The Chiefs got rid of Eric Fisher um, and got rid of their right tackle Mitchell Schwartz. Unfortunately, both those guys, kind of a raw deal. Both those guys are Pro Bowl slash All Pro type of players, but suffered injuries towards the end of the season. And then obviously we saw what happened with backup offensive linemen protecting Patrick Mahomes in that Super Bowl against Tampa Bay just was kind of a disaster. So the Chiefs signed Joe Tooney. Now they trade for Orlando Brown. And as of this morning, Orlando Brown has passed his physical with the Chiefs and will stay there. The trade is official. And this is via NFL update at my sports update. So again, in case you have not heard, picks number 31, 94, 136, and a future fifth round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Brown the number 58 pick and a future six round pick. Those that is the 
Um, those are the parameters of the trade there. And Orlando Brown will be the left tackle. If you remember, he did, he wanted to leave Baltimore because he didn't want to be a right tackle. He has played both right tackle and left tackle. I believe he's made a Pro Bowl as each with Baltimore. Baltimore has Ronnie Stanley. They wanted to play Orlando Brown as their right tackle. They're not going to do that. And so, you know, and also Orlando Brown wants to get paid like a left tackle, get paid a new contract. And Baltimore just kind of was unwilling. And they found a trade partner. And the Kansas City Chiefs have really, really rebolstered their offensive line going forward. So uh, they are still the team to beat, it would seem, in the AFC based on that trade. And it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I know a lot of Bengals fans are saying, you know, why, why didn't the Bengals go after? Well, I mean, interdivisional trade is that's just not. Nor, something that normally happens and probably the asking price if the Bengals were even interested it was something probably even a little higher than they, what they would have accepted from other teams just because of that divisional uh, stigma but you know it's just it's still interesting to me that Baltimore wants to trade a player to a team that has kind of been ruling the AFC at least the last couple of years right I mean they went they were the Super Bowl representative this year Last year, they won it. They went to the AFC Championship the year before, and you kind of go, okay, well, <laughs> um, you know, now you're kind of going rich, get richer a little bit, but the, the Ravens got a haul for them, and uh, they're going to they're gonna do what they can there. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do and what both of those teams do in the late first, early second, or mid-second, because, you know, offensive line could be in play, particularly for Baltimore, and then the Bengals, if they forego offensive line at number five, you know, who, who's going to be there? Who's going to take who? A lot of different questions there. So uh, we'll, we'll see. Continuing on, just got a few more to get to before we bounce on out of here. And you've got a mock mock draft Monday, right? Rhett Lewis, an NFL network host. I think he, he played pro ball or at least college ball for a little bit as well. He did his mock draft as of this morning. Uh, Monday morning, that is. He's got Trevor Lawrence going one. He's got uh, Zach Wilson going two. Mac Jones going three. The En Vogue pick Kyle Pitts going four to the Falcons. And then to the Cincinnati Bengals, he has Panay Sewell. And he says, we certainly make the case for Jamar Chase here, but I think Cincinnati ultimately leans towards protection for Joe Burrow rather than another playmaker. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, who just wrapped up an impressive rookie campaign, give the Bengals more than enough talent to compete at wide receiver, but they must protect number nine at all costs or none of this talk about playmakers even matters. At some point, Jonah Williams moves off his left tackle post and allows the Bengals to put their best starting five together up front with Sewell providing Pro Bowl caliber protection on Burroughs' blind side for the next decade. We'll see. We'll see. I don't uh, – a lot of folks don't think that's the route, whether they should or should not go that route. A lot of folks think that that is not the route they will take. They will go the Jamar Chase route. We'll see. We'll see. Josh Eads, I know this isn't necessarily a listener question show, but good to see Josh Eads. What do you think the chances we sign an IOL after the draft and interior offensive lineman? I think the Cincinnati Bengals will make probably more than one move after the draft, they're going to see how everything plays out. And then they're going to make, uh, you know, they're going to see the street free agents and inevitably there's post June one cuts, um, you know, and inevitably teams will may start shedding more players off their roster after they bring in some rookies here. Uh, and then of course you've got, 
you know, late cuts through training camp and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I think also as you go later, they'll keep the compensatory pick in mind. So uh, formula that is. And so all of that will be, will be in the Bengals minds as they look to do that. But I do think there will be probably a transaction or two down the road. How soon after the draft, I don't know, but I think they will probably see what plays out for the draft and then make moves there. I would, I would assume it would probably be an offensive lineman of some kind, a veteran or an edge edge player, a defensive lineman they've been pursuing. So which, whichever they don't get. And if they don't get players that are higher on their board, um, at those position groups, they may look to do that in free agency. So we'll see. We've also got Daniel Jeremiah's top 150 players. So check that one out. I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but it is worth noting. Jeremiah is one of the best in the biz in terms of evaluating talent. And he is the NFL Network's go-to. He's got Trevor Lawrence as his number one guy in this class. He has Kyle Pitts as the number two. Jamar Chase as the number three player in this draft. Zach Wilson, number four. Jalen Waddell, number five. Devontae Smith, number six. Trey Lance, number seven. I'm trying to go down here to see where he has Panay Sewell. Justin Fields, eight. Patrick Sertain, nine. Rashawn Slater, 10. Dropping. He has Slater at 10. And he's got Sewell at 11 uh, on his top 150 board. So check that out and get familiar with some names that will be called on day two, day three for not only the Bengals, but around the league, some good names on there. And, uh, you know, some, some people to get familiar with for sure. The top 10 is going to be interesting this year in the NFL draft, not just because the Bengals are play, are picking in the, you know, in the top half, I guess, or right, right at the halfway mark at number five, but teams are trying to get in there. Patriots are moving up, trying to get uh, Ohio state quarterback, Justin Fields. This is an article on uh, from Kevin Patra on NFL.com. So they are trying to move up that the Panthers now are in an interesting position. I think they are at seven or eight, but, they, since they traded for Sam Darnold, they will now not be moving up conceivably for a, a quarterback. You know, you've got teams like maybe the Bears, you've got the Patriots, you've got others that are going to be clamoring to get up in this class that, um, you know, seems to be pretty deep. Now you've got the 49ers who traded up uh, to, to number three to get, you know, a lot of people think it was for Mac Jones. Then some people thought they moved off him maybe for Justin Fields maybe for Trey Lance. And now it seems according, according to Jelani Scott, who uh, does some work on NFL.com, they are shifting their focus to Alabama quarterback, or I guess reshifting it back to Alabama quarterback, Mac Jones, North Dakota state quarterback, Trey Lance is also in the mix at number three. So for what the 49ers do is going to be pretty important to what, how the rest of the draft shakes out. And then, of course, I think we all know who the, who the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be taking at number one overall, which would be Trevor Lawrence. Shad Khan, the owner of the team, says the number one pick will define the Jaguars for the rest of my life. And Shad Khan obviously has seen some things before his tenure uh, in terms of who the Jaguars have drafted, who has not worked out at quarterback, et cetera. And so, you know. The hope is that Trevor Lawrence is their guy and will be for the future. Looks the part for sure. Looks the part for sure. This has been the Monday Water Cooler Chat NFL Draft Edition. We've got a big weekend ahead. Keep it to our podcast. Our podcast Wednesday has Joe Goodberry joining us, known 
Twitter favorite, NFL draft favorite, Bengals fan favorite. So we've got him joining us, bringing us some knowledge on the podcast. So we are stoked to have him on it. We're going to be doing some live streaming and all kinds of different stuff on this show and on the other podcasts on the, the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. So keep it to our show. Keep it to Orange is the New Black, Matt Minix Chalk Talk, breaking down all things NFL draft throughout the weekend. We've got some more prospect profiles coming out, both on our channel and on cincyjungle.com. So check those out. And of course, enjoy yourself this weekend. Enjoy yourself. It's a fun festivity. One of the one of the biggest moments on the NFL calendar, and it's going to be a good one for the Bengals. I've got a good feeling about it. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Enjoy your week. We'll be back at it throughout the week. Keep it to us and uh, enjoy your Monday. Enjoy the rest of your week. See you soon.